And of course, tonight's episode is brought to you by Blood of Tyrants Wine. <laughs> um, so we actually actually started a uh, tax protest wine, I suppose you could call it. I, I can say that in front of you guys. Um, it's uh, Blood of Tyrants Wine because, of course, uh, from time to time, the Tree of Liberty must be watered with the Blood of Tyrants. Um, this really awesome red wine that we have. Um, I've got a few different online stores, and this is my newest one. And uh, the reason I do all these online stores is one, I'm like I, I, I have a lot of fun with them. Um, I, I have a lot of fun with the products that we create. Um, but also, it's a really great way to raise money to help um, the activism that I do in this movement because uh, there's not a whole lot of money in activism unless you're backed by massive sketchy people <laughs> um, like the Democrat party or the Republican party uh, who like to throw billions at all kinds of activist organizations that basically go out and, and tell lies and, and push all kinds of propaganda. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I, I don't get their money because I'm not, uh, I'm not selling them favors or propaganda or lies or anything else. So, uh, so kind of my, my day job is, uh, is as an entrepreneur and Blood of Tyrants wine is, is my latest creation. And um, it's a really awesome wine if you like to drink wine, um, especially if you like to drink red wine. Um, it's really great. It's also a really great conversation piece. Um, and it helps uh, it helps get this message out to a lot of people. It, it's um, ultimately like I realized, you know, we need to change. We need to change the whole um, the whole culture. And a lot of this comes from um, the, the messaging that we use in, in our daily lives. Um, and this kind of helps get that messaging into our daily lives. So, um, so it's a fun way to to do a little bit of activism, raise some money, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and uh, the wine is, of course, um, available for sale online at bloodoftyrants.wine. Um, so, yeah, back to taxes. I guess it's about five o'clock Eastern. So, um, let's go ahead and get started. And. Um, like I said, payment is supposed to be here, but we had some technical issues, so I'm not sure if he's going to show up. Um, but if he doesn't, I'll make sure to drag him back in here some other time <laughs> um, because he is a really awesome resource. I'm sure I'm going to talk about Freedom Law School plenty today because it always comes up. Um, Freedom Law School is, if you haven't heard of them, um, basically it's founded by Payman Motahede, um, who's an awesome, awesome tax, uh, tax freedom advocate. Um, he's been working on this since the nineties. He's helped bring a lot of this, this really important information to light. Um, and, uh, he runs freedom law school, which is basically a place where you can go to have somebody help you through the process of not paying taxes because it's, it's really kind of scary. Um, and I did this myself. Like I, I learned a lot of this information. I didn't learn all the information. I didn't learn anywhere near enough of the information. But I went to try this myself, like in the early 2000s. And um, I, I say that like we're not still in the early 2000s, <laughs> uh, like maybe around 2006, 2008, somewhere over there. Um, and um, I, I tried this on my own and, and I tried to take on the IRS and I tried to say, I'm not going to pay taxes. And it didn't work out too well for me. Um, I didn't have all the information. There were still things I didn't really understand. And of course, when it came to actually fighting the IRS, um, I didn't know how to respond to all the different little sneaky tricks they're going to do. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, um, of course that was, that was several years ago and I've learned a lot more since. 
Um, but even now I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about taking them on, on my own. I work with a lot of other people who have a lot of information. Um, and it's great to be, um, tied in with the freedom law school because they are, you know, they've, they've seen it all. They work with, with, uh, thousands of people who are doing this, um, and they know everything that the IRS is going to do, um, to, to try to take your money and they know what to do about it. Um, so, so, you know, that's, um, consider that a disclaimer, <laughs> um, you know, don't, you're not going to walk away. If this is your first time here, you're not going to walk out um, with an hour worth of information and know how to take on the IRS. Um, but hopefully you'll be kind of on the path um, to learning um, everything that you do need to learn so that eventually you will be able to to stop paying the income tax, um, which I can assure you is only going to get worse, um, especially now that they're increasing the IRS's budget and hiring 87,000 new employees with, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, the job description says must be willing to use deadly force. Um, and, and apparently these agents, um, well, we can talk about that. Let me, let's take a little break. Um, just, uh, just so it's not, uh, this room doesn't turn into me ranting <laughs> for, for two hours straight. Cause I'll do that. Um, uh, I guess, uh, let, let me just start out by asking if anybody has been here before or heard about any of this, and let's just jump into some questions. Um, and and um, you know, or if you're new and just want to introduce yourself, uh, just want to remind you again: if you just got in, this is being recorded; it's on replay, so don't say anything you don't want the NSA or the IRS to hear. Um, say, you know, you can ask a hypothetical; you can you can make it about somebody else. Um, but uh, yeah, we don't we don't want you to to put yourself in a compromised position um, just because, uh, you know, just because it's being recorded. Um, all right, Troy, uh, I see Troy's raising his hand. Um, there you go. Welcome. Can you hear me or can, can you hear us or can you, uh, it looks like you need to unmute. Found it. <laughs> hey, how's uh, it going? Oh, yeah. Wow. Awesome. Fantastic. Um, name's Troy. Excited to be hearing this. I've kind of been looking into it for a while now. Um, and it's just a very general question. It's just like, how, how has the government been able to get away with this? for as long as they have been? So um, that's a really interesting question. Um, basically, what it comes down to is there's like, they, they have a really complex system of, um, of getting kind of some prerequisite information in place. And a lot of that has to do with like, when you go to your, um, you know, you, you go to your job or, you know, you have a contract or whatever, um, and that person reports a W-2 to the IRS or a 1099. Um, and basically what that says is that, um, that that person has a relationship with you um, in such that their, their um, money is being transferred in a taxable way under the, um, under the income tax. And the problem is that that's not true. Um, for example, if you look at if you look at the W-2s and you can look in in um, Section 3401 and Section 3402 of the tax code, 
it tells you right there, this, this, is, this is the section that deals with tax withholding and who's supposed to have their money withheld. And it tells you right there, it's only supposed to be federal employees and government employees. So if only, if only government employees are supposed to be having their, their money withheld, um, then why, why are all of us who aren't working for the government having our money withheld? And then on top of that, that money is, is then, in, and they, they get into the specifics about what are wages, and wages is, of course, money that's paid to a government employee. Um, and so, but we're all under this belief that, like, no, we're, I'm an employee. I work for a company. I'm an employee, and therefore I earn wages and I must pay taxes. But it's like those words are, they, they have a very specific meaning in the tax code and they don't apply to us. But while every American's out there thinking, like, no, that, that it's just wages, I'm just an employee, and everybody thinks it applies to them. Then it's like we're all going to continue to to reinforce this this mindset and and support the system, and it's really difficult to get out of that too because it's like you know it, you start having this conversation with somebody and of course like the obvious I mean it, you know first of all let's say you know let's just assume for this conversation that what I'm saying is completely true. Mm-hmm. In that situation, you go up to somebody and you say you know that that hey this you know that's not what this means and you don't have to pay taxes. The first thing naturally that they're going to say is, okay, this guy's a con artist. Um, if, if that was, if that was really true, this would be all over the news. There wouldn't be 350 million Americans paying taxes. There wouldn't be, you know, nobody would be doing this if that were true. We're all paying taxes because it's the law and the government, you know, the government wouldn't lie to us. <laughs> um, and so like you have, and there's all kinds of like psychological, um, uh, barriers that go into this, like the whole, like, you know, the hive mentality that we have, the, the, you know, the, the herd mentality of, of, you know, we're going to do what, uh, what everybody else is doing. Um, and we've seen a lot of that with like the masking and the, um, the vaccine shots and everything, whatever your position on it is like, it, it's a, like a lot of our influence on that has not been, you know, writing down the pros and cons about taking a vaccine or wearing a mask. A lot of it has been, well, I see all my friends and family and neighbors doing it. And so therefore, you know, they're not stupid people. I'm just going to go along with what they're doing. And, um, and, for, and yeah, there are people who like stand out and say like, no, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to reject that. But a lot of that has been just from, you know, no, this, this is, this is what everybody else is doing. I guess I don't want to be the one guy to stand up on my own and say like, I'm going to fight this. Um, and so, so there's, there's a really a lot going into it. Um, and, and it's interesting too, cause like, you know, you think about it, like, like imagine you lived in a world where there was no income tax, right? Um, there was no filing every year at the end of the year and filing returns and anything else. Um, and then one day the government pass, passes a new tax and they tell 350 million Americans, okay, starting at the end of this year, you're going to have to save all your receipts and you're going to have to, you're going to have to fill out a complex accounting reporting form and send it to the government every single year. And you're going to have to pay us a third of your income. Like how well would that go over if, if we were just going from, you know, from not having an income tax to having one, like not not at all. (laughs) Right. And, And you, you have to have like some massive event to make that happen. So if you look at the history of, of the income tax, what actually happened was it was passed in 1913. Um, but it wasn't really like this was it was really more enforced the way that it's it's actually written, which is for um, government corporations. 
and, and government employees and those sorts of things. So there wasn't a lot of opposition to it because most people didn't have to worry about paying that tax. Mm -hmm. um, but then what happened was World War II came around and they're like, we need to raise a lot of money. So they started this like basically big uh, propaganda campaign that said everybody has to do their part. It's, it's patriotic. We have to pay these taxes. And so just kind of like, um, you know, 9-11 came and that, that helped them push in the Patriot Act and everything else. Um, mm -hmm. the, the financial collapse of 2008, that, that got them to pass all these banking. Like there's always uh, there's always this like massive, like, you know, tragic thing going on where it's like, oh, my God, we have to take drastic measures and change everything. And, and that's exactly what it was. So World War Two came around. And that's what got everybody into this whole like payroll system. And then as soon as the, the war went away, it was like or when the war was over, it was like everybody was just already in this habit and they just kept doing it and doing it. Like, when are, when are they going to cancel this? Right. But there's nothing as permanent as a temporary government program. So it just mm -hmm. stayed there forever. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 pretty wild. I, I know I totally like went off on a tangent from what you originally asked, but um, no, no, I feel like you've you've adequately. Um, shined light on i mean obviously the answer to the question isn't going to be as cut and dry as most right. of us would love it to be but that makes a lot of sense because i've always noticed that after some large-scale event whether it be in the united states or across the world seems like something in the u.s changes to make the citizens do more though our government is supposed to be doing more for us so it, it makes sadly a lot of sense that we've been uh, we've been allowing them to kind of dupe us this whole time. Right. Yeah. And it, what's interesting, too, is like the more complex something is, the, the harder it is to get rid of it, because it's it's like they're able to justify it. Right. There's like there's there's too many what ifs like, well, if we get rid of the income tax, what about this? What about this? What about this? And like it, because it's tied into Social Security, it's tied into Medicare and like all this other stuff. So it's like, so you're telling me you get rid of that. We're going to get rid of Medicare. People aren't going to have that. We're going to get rid of welfare. We're like, like the assumption is that, that basically all these systems are going to have to go away because it's all, it's all tied together. And so how do you, how do you untie this, this ball of knots? Um, and so, you know, it, and, and so like, you know, when you have this discussion with a lot of people, what they like to do is they, you know, instead of talking about the morality of whether or not, tax is is moral whether or not it's being collected illegally or immorally by the government they they like to jump to you know oh but but what about you know these programs that i like that are going to be taken away or you know it, it it's pretty crazy but it's it, it has a lot to do with the complexity of everything absolutely well, thank you for answering my question i did have a hypothetical that kind of just came up um sure. say someone looks back through their tax passed and and you know stumbled upon this information and feels wronged uh is is there anything one could do to rectify all of those past filings or it's like well that money came and gone looks like you're you're up a creek kind of deal yeah it's um it's it, it kind of depends so um i don't want to say it's hopeless especially over the past like few years there's definitely like a certain point where you know, if it's 10 years ago, it's like, yeah, forget about it. Um, <laughs> but basically, once you file a tax return, that's basically saying um, under penalty of perjury, because you have to sign it under penalty of perjury, that this is how much taxable money I received. 
and and this is therefore how much I owe. Now, of course, you can always file an amendment to a return, right? And like this is something that's normally done. Like you know, like even if someone still thinks, oh, I'm going to pay all my taxes, it's like, oh, I forgot about that fifty dollars that grandma gave me. Let me let me amend my return. Um, and it's like, and you can file an amended return and update it. Um, and for small amounts, you know, whether, whether you get a little bit more back or you have to pay them a little bit more, you know, it's no big deal. You just file it and that's the end of it. Um, but if it comes to, you know, you, you, you gave them 20 grand even last year, and then you filed a return saying basically like, yep, I earned all this money and this is how much I have to pay on it. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult to go back and say, Oh well, uh, I just realized that wasn't taxable, and so I want to I want to take you backsy here, and yeah, uh, exactly. th yeah, they're you know they're they're gonna fight you on that. But um, so um, I do want to give this example. Um, I I in 2017 I had a lot of money withheld from my from my paycheck, and when I filed that one. Um, and, and there's there's different theories on whether or not you should file. But basically, when I filed it, I filed it with a dispute on the W-2s, um, saying that, that the W-2s were actually not taxable. And I did get a full 100% refund, including, believe it or not, a couple hundred dollars in interest <laughs> from the money that they that they prematurely withheld. Um, but but so. Um, um, like that's that's kind of where you can get some money back but if you've already filed it's a little bit more difficult because filing is already kind of like you know it's like it's like um i don't know you you get arrested by the police and they're like where were you on the night of the 23rd and you're like oh i was i was you know here it's like you can't go back and uh, oh well there was a murder that occurred right there it's like oh well uh, i wasn't there <laughs> you, you can't go back and change it um because yeah, you know you, you've kind of already yeah you already you've already made your confession so um thank you for yeah, answering my questions i'm gonna i'm gonna go back yeah, on, absolutely. on mute here but I'm, I'm here for all of this like 100 <laughs> percent. all right awesome um so let's um i don't know uh connie are we gonna do should we just go across um and and i guess everybody came up for for questions um is that is that how we should do this um yeah we could definitely go ptr order um I know, I believe Jess and Jimmy are both um, probably in listening mode, but we will stop by and ask. Um, Apollo's been on a phone call for a blink here, but um, we'll come back to him. Um, Jess, are you just in listening mode or do you have a question for Dan? My question is, what is the question that we should be asking? What is life all about why are we here <laughs> um that's uh man i could go in a million directions with that what do you mean can you, can you get a little bit more specific yeah i i think since you have a lot more expertise and knowledge i'm kind of wondering like if uh you know we could ask you questions all day but like what should we be asking you like what is that and oh. then and then once we know it, we can start trying to share that with others and trying to get others to be able to um, think about the same thing. Well, I can think of one that he um, has been asked before and, and a thing that he should cover, and that is 
um, for those who, especially if they're going to a new employer or they're starting their own business, what should they be doing? Like, like when they say fill out the W-4, what can and should uh, a person say? So is that kind of along the lines of what you were thinking of, Jess? All right. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I really feel like if this were if this were a college course, it would be broken into several semesters. Um, so and I, I think this would be this would be the class on, you know, what to actually how to deal with um, how to deal with taxes with other people, um, whether it's a bank or an employer or anything like that, because they're ultimately all going to collect all this information. They're going to give it to the IRS. Um, and in most cases, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Um, there are some things, and I want to I, I want to give this disclaimer again. Um, you know, don't don't run out and, and do any of these things until you really understand um, kind of a lot of the other stuff that goes behind it because you can get into some trouble. You can work yourself into a spot where it's like, okay, the IRS sent me a letter and I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, and then you're stuck. Um, of course, if you're working with the Freedom Law School, they'll 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 help you with everything. But um, you really want to like educate yourself and 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 understand a lot of things, not just this part. So I want to I want to do that little disclaimer first. But let me say a few things. So um, whether it's an employer or a bank or you know anywhere, they're going to ask you for your social security, right? You go to open a bank account and they ask you for your social security number. Now that's already a lie because they don't really want your social security number. They want your taxpayer ID number. And of course, the IRS will tell you a taxpayer ID number and a social security number are the same number, but actually they're not. Um, if I give you a social security number um, with the presumption that you're going to use that to verify my identity, then that is one thing. If I give it to you with that assumption and you take that and you use that information to, to report um, tax information to the IRS, that's kind of like fraud. Um, but that's standard operating procedure for the banks. And of course, the government's not going to be mad at the banks for doing that. Um, but what happens when you go to the bank and you put your, your social security number in there, um, on their computer, it actually goes into a field called taxpayer ID. You are now confessing that you're a taxpayer and that any interest that you earn on that account should be taxed. Um, and possibly that any transactions coming in and out of there should be should be monitored or suspect or something like that. So, um, but the banks kind of work on that whole system and there's not really a way around that, except um, if you get a bank account without your social security number, um, which used to be a thing that you could do a lot easier, um, but uh, now it's a lot more difficult um, because of the Patriot Act and, and all that stuff. You know, of course, they always tell you, oh, we just need it to verify your identity and, you know, background check. And it's like, you don't need to verify my identity. I'm giving you something to hold on to. I'm giving you my money to hold on to. If anything, I should be verifying your identity, right? <laughs> um, that's not what it's about. This is about, um, you know, tracking people and, and controlling transactions and controlling the economy and everything. Um, so, um, so you can get a bank account without a social security number. 
Um, it's very difficult. It might be expensive. Um, there are banks that will do it, but it's not like you can just walk in there and talk to, you know, any banker. You need to talk to the manager. Um, I haven't done this personally myself, um, but I know there are uh, there are companies out there who will help you do this. Um, and one one simple example that that might demonstrate like why this is even possible, because a lot of people think like, no, that's impossible. Like the the, the computer system just wouldn't allow it. Well, what about foreigners, right? Like a foreigner can't come to the United States and open a bank account. Does does that make any sense? Um, and like, I know, like, especially when you get to like international law, like things get fuzzy, right? Like, can well, can foreigners own property in the United States? That's an interesting question, right? Um, does anybody really know the answer? Has anybody traveled to another country and tried to purchase property or open bank account in another country? Um, and it's because most of us aren't really accustomed to this, but um, absolute reality is you can go to most countries in the world, you can open bank accounts, you can buy property. Um, sometimes you have to hold them in trust or, or some things like that. But um, but they do this because those countries want money to come into their country and the United States is no different. So foreigners can come to the United States, um, they can purchase real estate, real estate, they can get bank accounts, and a lot of it can be done without social security numbers. Um, they'll say they want them to get tax IDs, but um, but as a foreigner, it's a little bit easier to, to get, a, to get around that. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's like we, um, we have been conditioned to this, like the reality of the system that we live in to believe that like, this is just how things are done when the reality is no, there are multiple ways things are done. It's just that 99.9999% of us fit into that same box where um, you know, that's, that's just, and, and we all talk to each other. So we all know the same information and, and it feels like that's the only system that exists, but really there's a lot more. Now, when it comes to employers, it's the same kind of thing. Um, you know, they're going to ask you, sometimes they'll ask you to, to fill out an I-9, um, which is proof of eligibility to work in the United States. Well, this is interesting. Um, and I wish Payman were here because he, he's got, uh, he's got more info as far as like the um, the definition of United States um, within the tax code, but basically the way that the tax code um, defines the United States is it's only Washington, D.C. So when you get an I-9 and they're asking, um, are you authorized to work in the United States? That's completely irrelevant because unless you are working in Washington, D.C., you're not working in the United States for the purpose of the tax code. That in itself is like a whole chapter <laughs> um, of, of why the United States is just Washington, D.C. But um, so so you're, you're starting to fill out all this paperwork that you really don't need to. But at the same time, you go to your employer who, um, you know, let's say it's a big corporation, whether it's a whether it's, you know, you're going to be working at McDonald's headquarters or McDonald's, the franchise where the, the you know, the owner is just the guy with the paperwork. Um, it doesn't matter. Um, they are trained. A very specific way. This is the information you have to collect. These are the forms you have to give to the employees. They don't know anything about the law. They didn't study the law. They like they they have lawyers for that, right? What they do is they say, okay, we have these forms. We need to give these to everybody. This is my procedure, and I can't check off my list until I have that form signed back from that employee. And so when you go and get these jobs, um, and, and I've tried this, you can you can try it too. You can try and push back and say, well, my income is not taxable and I, I don't need to fill this form out. All you're going to do is piss them off because they're going to be like, look, I've got my job to do 
And in order to do my job, I have to check off these boxes. And one of these boxes, in order to check it off, I have to get that form back from you signed. I don't care what you think you are. I don't care how special you are, but you're not going to jam up my day and prevent me from doing my job. So fill out the form. That's basically what you're going to get from them. Um, and again, it doesn't matter the law. <laughs> and especially if you're working at some, you know, you're not a lawyer. So why would they trust you? You've never worked in human resources. So why would they trust you um, over, you know, the, the user's manual, whatever that they've been following? So it's really difficult to deal with all this stuff. So what some people recommend is just fill out the W-4. Don't start a fight. Just fill it out. Check the box exempt so they don't withhold anything from you. And then when you do your return, you just get the rest of your money back and you clarify it with the IRS. Um, and uh, that sometimes that works. Um, results may vary, but at least you um, at least, you know, you, you do the thing with the employer and you basically say, um, you know, I, I had to sign that under duress because I needed the job in order to survive. Um, and they were threatening not to hire me or not to pay me if I didn't fill out the form. Um, and, and that's that. Um, and so, uh, interestingly enough, you give that form to your employer and, uh, it probably just disappears. You're probably never going to see it again, even if you ever got sued by the IRS. Um, <laughs> because, well, now most of those things are filled out electronically. Um, but you know, the, like nobody keeps those and those aren't sent to the IRS. What those are, um, and, and you can look at the, the actual tax code on this, um, Section 3402, the um, the uh, withholding certificate, what that W-4 is, 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 and it says right at the top, withholding certificate. <laughs> you are certifying that you are allowing this person to withhold your taxes and pay them for you. That's what that is. Um, now, without that, they're going to assume that, um, that you're supposed to be paying the most amount of tax and they're going to withhold for you. Um, but if you give them that W-4, um, and it says exempt, they are obligated to follow that. And there's there's even been situations where the IRS will send a lock letter to the employer saying like, no, uh, this person's not exempt, you better start withholding. Um, and uh, that that's actually been to court and, um, and the courts have ruled that no, if you have something that says exempt from uh, an employee, you're like, it doesn't matter what the IRS says, you have to, you have to go buy that certificate. Um, and the IRS is just going to have to deal with it at the end of the year if they think uh, you owe them something. So um, then the other thing is, and sorry, I'm being really long winded on this, <laughs> on this. But uh, the, the next part is um, instead of getting a W-4, um, if you get a 1099 and, you know, you give them a, a W-8 or W-9 um, and basically, you know, they're not going to withhold anything, which is great. Because actually, even when they're even when you're on exempt they're still withholding uh, social security and federal unemployment and, and all this other stuff. So you're still not getting your full paycheck, but they're not withholding the income tax itself, which is great. Uh, Cause that's, that's like the biggest one. Um, but they're still withholding other money. They're still paying um, on top of that. But I mean, that's on their side, who cares <laughs> if they're reporting you to the IRS, let them pay their, their, their half of your social security. But um, anyways, with the 1099, um, the, the, the the 1099 is basically they don't withhold anything. You're supposed to file your taxes yourself at the end of the year and pay for it. And what they're going to do is they're going to send a 1099 to the IRS saying, hey, this is how much I, I gave this person. Um, and uh, and so, you know, you have it. 
right? And the IRS is going to say, well, okay, so apparently this person got a few different 1099s and uh, they're going to wait for your return. If they don't get one, they're going to say, well, we have a bunch of 1099s. Um, we're we're going we're gonna to file a return for you. And they'll, they'll basically do it on their own. Um, of course, you can dispute the 1099s and say that wasn't taxable. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that the, um, the 1099s will say um, they're, they're all related to a trade or business, which if you look at the definition of a trade or business in, in the tax code itself, um, I shit you not, um, the tax code defines a trade or business as functions that are performed by a public officer during the course of their duty as a public officer. Um, so uh, you're not engaged in the trader business if you're not working for the government again, um, or you know, elected in this case uh, to, to a public position. Um, so, um, but anyways, it, so it's gonna be reported. You still need to dispute that with the IRS, otherwise they're gonna assume it's true um, and they're gonna try to make you pay. Um, but that's kind of, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I, I want to say that's that in a nutshell, even though I know that was a lot of information, um, but it is really like, um, it, it is a really, really, really complex system. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a lot of information to learn about it. And that's of course why I say, you know, you're not going to run out there and, and, you know, go talk with your employer tomorrow and, and you're not going to have taxes withheld anymore. Um, but you do need to you do need to learn, um, you know, that there first of all, that there are alternatives um, and that, uh, you know, you kind of need to learn the rest of, you know, OK, well, which alternative you choose? How are you going to deal with the consequences of that? You know, what's going to happen after that? Um, and once you understand that, that'll help you uh, determine your strategy of how you want to deal with things um, and and kind of what to expect is going to happen after that. Well, so thank, hopefully that. Yeah, thank you for that, Dan. I think that's a, a great start for anyone, just especially anytime you're looking to start something new, check into all of that um, before you do that. And just to reiterate what we brought up earlier, you all have a right to your transcript from the IRS. That's not going to spark anything for them to start looking at you or anything else. But you can get the full transcript um, at any time through the IRS, and you can um, basically know what they know about you. Um, do you feel like okay. that is your question, Jess? I, I want to point out um, while she's looking for her unmute button. Um, on that on that point that you made about the transcript, so yes, you can go to the IRS anytime and say, "Hey, I want my transcript," which is everything that everyone has reported about you to the IRS. Um, and I always recommend that because it's free, it's easy, um, and um, you know it doesn't raise any flags. It doesn't it doesn't you know put you in a bad position. It's basically just like, yeah, my my boss sent me a W two. I don't know where it went. I need another copy. Um, but what's interesting is is uh, I had a friend who who went and did this. Um, because he wanted to pay his taxes. He was a good little law-abiding taxpayer um, until he started hanging out with me, of course. And so he went to the IRS office. He asked for his transcript, and he said, yeah, I lost all my W-2s. What can you do? And they're punching around in their computer, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't see anything. We don't have anything reported here. Um, so basically, they never got the W-2. Maybe the company didn't send it out. Sometimes that happens with small businesses. You know, papers slip through the crack, whatever. 
they didn't get it. Um, and the clerk even told him, well, I mean, as far as we're concerned, we don't know that you earned any money. <laughs> so what you decide to do with that information is up to you. Um, and and it, it was kind of funny that that came from an IRS clerk, but um, but that's the reality um, is, is, you know, that's, that's the whole pretext for the whole thing, right? Like what transaction is taxable? Um, and, you know, you look, you could look to the laws for that, but how does the government know which, which uh, taxable transactions actually occurred? Well, that depends on us to tell them whether we, you know, whichever side of the transaction we were on, the, the, the spending of the receiving, um, they rely on us to report it to them on, you know, and now they've got two people, <laughs> you know, two sides of each transaction um, that can report it. Um, and as long as, as long as, you know, half of the people are in fear of what's going to happen if they don't, then, then, you know, pretty much all the transactions are going to be reported. So that's kind of, um, that's, that's why it's so important to get the transcript because sometimes the paperwork just gets lost and that's good for you. Well, thanks for that for sure. Um, I had often, and whether it was just something that was always done or not, um, heard about like a, a seven year statute or something on that as well. Um, most people hold on to their records for seven years. Yep, it's um, seven years for an audit. Um, I, uh, I'm not sure how long it is for a substitute return, but I think it might also be seven years. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? I mean, uh, this is, this is, uh, we're in 2022 right now. So if you filed your taxes in 2013, <laughs> um, or no, sorry, 20, sorry, I'm terrible. It's uh, 20, 2015, I guess. Um, if you filed your taxes in 2015, there's still a chance that they can, they can pull that out today. And, you know, with 78,000 new employees come around and say, oh, you did your taxes in 2015. Uh, it says here you deducted $5,000 on, on a bunch of stuff. Can we see those receipts? <laughs> um, anybody still have your receipts from 2015? Uh, yeah, it's it's terrible. And and actually, like this is a reason why you'll hear the IRS say that they um, they prefer to audit the little guy. Because when they come to audit the little guy, um, you know, that's people like us. We, like. Some of us are good about that. We keep our receipts in our, I mean, I don't because I don't pay taxes, but <laughs> some of us that pay taxes are good about our receipts and they keep them in a file somewhere and like, oh yeah, you know, so if they ever come, I have all my receipts. Um, but a lot of people just don't. And, um, you know, when they, <laughs> when they come around seven years later and they do an audit and you don't have all those receipts, it's kind of like, well, if you don't have the receipt, then, you know, we're not going to allow you the deduction. Now you're going to have to pay on this. But on top of that, uh, and this was an issue that was brought up, um, actually, uh, Joe Bishop Henchman um, had a had a clubhouse room, uh, or actually, I think he did it on Zoom a few days ago. Um, he actually makes a living suing the IRS. Um, and he brought up the point that, you know, during an audit, pretty much any small mistake is treated as an intentional criminal offense. So, well, I deducted $100 because I bought something, but I don't have the receipt anymore because it's seven years later. No, you're a criminal. You never spent that $100 and you were just trying to rip off the IRS. <laughs> so, you know, and then it comes down to the same thing with a traffic uh, traffic ticket. 
you know, when you get to, to tax court, who's who are they going to believe? Right. It's your word against theirs. Uh, where's your receipt? Um, so, yeah, it's it's really it's really a really shady system that they've got set up. Um, but uh, yeah, <laughs> that is for sure. Yvonne, um, Lisa is actually from Zealand, so um, her questioning might be a bit different if she has one, but I want to let you know, Dan, that Lisa is uh, one of our favorite New Zealanders. But, um, do you have a question for Dan, Lisa? No, I'm good. Thank you. Just listening. Cheers. Cheers. Awesome. Cheers. <laughs> um, actually, I, I want to... Um, uh, before we move on, I, um, not to cut you off, Jimmy, I, I do want to pop back up to Apollo. I know he's been here since the very beginning. Um, and he said he was just coming in to listen, but, um, since you are all the way up in, in the front of the queue, I just want to see if he had any questions. Um, from what it appears to me, he's still on a phone call. Um, I'm here <laughs> actually. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I have a question. Um, okay. So. <clears throat> You know, say I wanted to uh, get a bunch of money back from, from like, say, you know, the last five years worth of uh, taxes, whether I filed or not, um, you know, and just say, uh, you know, I, I, um, I was offering you a, a percentage to uh, take care of that for me. Um, and, you know, maybe you could you could uh, use that money to uh, invest in, in your wine business or something. Um, would you be willing to do that? And, uh, <laughs> and what kind um, of percentage uh, are, you, uh, are I, you looking to get? I would actually send you to, um, to Payman because um, he's, he's more of the expert. Um, I'm really, um, people have asked me to help them with their, with their tax situation. Um, and as long as I've been doing this, like I still don't even consider myself an expert. Um, uh, but, uh, payment has the time, the resources, um, the network and everything, um, to, to really make this happen. So I would, I would send you to freedom law school. Um, I would at least have you ask him for, um, you know, give him a call and, and tell them, um, you know, um, what your situation is and, 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 uh, you know, if, if anybody can help you, it's so if you haven't filed, it's easier to get money back, especially if like, you know, if they were just withholding um, and, you know, and then you didn't file, like I can tell you for sure, that's that's pretty easy to do. Um, but it like, you know, I know a few a few people who do this and, you know, what they like to do is try to slip a return in under the radar. Um, and, you know, just to, you know, make sure things go smoothly. And when it does get caught up, things get tricky. You can still, you know, you can still push it forward, but it's, it can get more difficult and you have to know how to respond to the IRS. So, um, I, I really trust payment as, as somebody to kind of like hold your hand through the whole process. Um, and like everybody's, you know, th there's no magic bullet, right? Everybody's situation is different, whether you filed or you didn't, uh, was your money reported on a 1099 or W2? How long has it been? You know, all these different things, um, come into play. Um, so definitely I, I would recommend checking out freedom law school. So that's, uh, livefreenow.org. Um, and if anybody can help you get that money back, he definitely can. 
And um, from what I understand, he's he was restructuring his um, his payment schedule, so it's just going to be uh, a flat percent of basically whatever um, whatever you you would have paid in taxes, basically. So you know, and if the IRS, you know, if they were withholding, the IRS already has most of it, so you're still going to get you know, um, I, I don't know what it is, maybe seventy to eighty percent back um from from what they're withholding so um yeah definitely definitely a good guy to check out um oops what do i do here um but that would be that would definitely be my recommendation um as far as as far as i go um it's really just to help get the information out there um and and you know get people to open up to this idea so that we can at least you know start getting more people who who are actually um, putting up the fight? Um, you, oh, there we get we get the link at the top. I'm, I'm guessing Connie did that. Thanks. I did. So there is a link at the top, and uh, definitely going through those sides is the way. Um, just to reset here, we we have had some more people join us. Um, I think everyone has been invited up, and. Um, and I just wanted to welcome everyone who's here. Um, Apollo, do you feel like you got your question answered? Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that was good. But um, would you say that there's anything that you're giving up um, in in going through this process? Like anything at all that you know a person might not necessarily want to? Yes, actually, that's a that's a really, really good question, actually. Um, oh, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yes. OK, the app's like freaking out. It's like error, error, error all over my screen. <laughs> um, uh, let me try this, actually. So, um, yeah, that's a really great question. So. Um, the thing with um, the thing with how this whole system works is um, I'm trying to think of a, a good way to bring this in. Basically, whenever you um, whenever you make an agreement with somebody, you get certain benefits from it, right? So, like if you were to subscribe to an online service, you're going to give them money; they're going to give you something in return. Um, there's there is there is some benefit to that. Um, and there are some benefits that tax paying Americans get, um, that you don't get if you aren't a tax paying American. Um, and some of them are actually really, really, um, critical in your life. Um, depending on how much you make and, and a few other things. And so probably one of the biggest ones is a home loan. Um, so normally we go to a bank and we ask a bank like, hey, I can't afford the, the price of this house, but I know you have money. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you lend me some of that money, I'll pay you interest um, so that I can buy this house. And um, that usually works out to be you know, a pretty good deal. Um, and now we have these FHA loans, which are actually, uh, we only pay 3% down. So while the cost of housing has skyrocketed, you know, a $100,000 house, you can move in for three grand. 
thanks to the FHA. Um, the problem is, and there's a, there's a million problems with this, but the FHA itself, like creating this program, the idea um, the idea with with the FHA was we're going to make it easier for people to get into a house. Um, well, it wasn't immediate, but what happened was once they created the FHA and they started, you know, creating these programs to make it easier to borrow money, you know, same thing we saw in 2008, except much bigger, much more long term, is they inflated the the cost of the housing market. So if you if you compare um, if you compare the average salary to the average cost of a house, um, uh, it's it, it there the the ratio is a lot uh, a lot wider now than it was before the FHA, um, and and the reason for that is whenever you flood a certain market with money, prices go up. We saw the same thing with um, with student loans, right? Uh, banks are basically giving out free money to all these all these students. Like, oh, you can't you can't afford to go to college, and the colleges are looking at it like, well, you know, we only have ten thousand seats at the school, but now all these kids are getting these loans from, you know, they couldn't afford to they, to come here before, but now so many more students have all this money coming from these banks. Let's just jack our prices up. They still only have ten thousand seats, but now they have a much higher price tag, and that's this is this is the real reason why you've seen like, you know, they they say like, oh, it's because of you know greedy corporations and all this other stuff why the prices are going up. No, it's because they've been flooding. You know, they they tried to solve the problem of unaffordable college by flooding the market with money, and all that's done is driven all the prices up. And the FHA does the exact same thing to the housing market. So now we we're in a situation where you know, like it used to be that people could save up some money and go buy a house cash, right? Or if they wanted to borrow money from a bank they would they would do like a 50% down payment and they'd get a 10 or 15 year loan right there was no 30 year loan um but you know because of these programs that's that's basically what it's become what it's turned into so now you can't afford a house you can't afford a 50% down payment um most people can't um especially when half of your paycheck's being taken away from you and given to the government right so it's like they're stealing from both ends um and when you become a non-taxpayer or you know whether you're filing and it's a it's a zero return saying i didn't earn anything or whether you didn't file at all those are the forms that you take to the lender and say this is how much money i earn it doesn't matter how much money you deposited in your bank account it matters what's on your tax return and that's all they're going to look at um and you know they you know they might they might say well why didn't you just claim your money um, you know because if you would have if you would have claimed your money yeah you would have paid taxes on it but you get this amazing loan um, so basically it's like okay so uh, instead of <laughs> um, instead of uh, getting a loan from the bank um, to to buy a house I can't afford let me give a whole bunch of money to the government <laughs> just so that I can go to the bank. And they'll give me even more money to replace that money, but they're going to charge me a lot of interest on it. Um, and that, so it's kind of like you're, you're screwed either way. Um, but that's, that's the reality of the situation that we're put in. So, um, so the question was, is there anything that you lose by not paying taxes? And absolutely, that's one of them. On the flip side of that, it's a lot easier to save up money um, to, without, if you're not paying income tax. It's a lot easier to save up money um, to actually buy a house or to, to, to make a down payment. Um, and, and you can you can still get um, they'll call it like a non-traditional loan um, 
or or a commercial loan or something like that. Um, but you you can get a loan without um, you know without showing tax returns, um, but you won't get the three percent down. You're going to get like a 40, 50, 60 percent down. So it's going to cost you a lot more to get in. Your interest rates are going to be higher too um, because it's not it's not a government insured program. It's it's a bank lending money to make money. Um, you know your interest rate might be like seven to ten percent, um, but um, I guess one other thing I want to say about that is, so down here in Mexico, uh, you know, they don't have a program like the FHA and I, um, well, they, they do have a different program, but they don't have like a normal lending program for, for most people. Right. Um, they do have some other program to, you know, to buy a house, but like a regular mortgage down here, they don't have FHA. So a regular mortgage down here, people are going to pay, um, the same thing. They're going to do 40% down and they're going to pay, um, and they're going to pay 10, uh, you know, close to 10% interest, which sounds like a lot. But here's the thing. In Mexico, because they're not flooding the market with all of this money that's, that's earmarked specifically for real estate, the prices aren't inflated. So, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, you could say, okay, well, 3%. Uh, 3% down payment on a $100,000 house is only $3,000. Um, whereas a, a 50% down payment would be $50,000. But what if the house only cost, um, what if the house only cost 50,000? Then a 50% down payment is only 25,000, right? It's still a lot more than, than 3,000, but, um, but you get the idea. It's not 50, right? It's still a lot lower. But the problem is all the 3% loans have basically driven up all the all the real estate prices, which means a 50% loan is, is much further out of reach um, for everybody. Um, so, and, and you can look at, you can compare, you know, different countries and how they work um, to, to see that, that this is like, this is actually like, you know, our, uh, a problem that's been created by, by these programs, which, you know, of course they were put there to help and probably by a lot of people who were like, really like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do something to help these people, but without foreseeing all the economic consequences of it. Um, all right. Sorry. That was a, that was a long rant also, but. Um. <laughs> that was a little while here too though. And yeah, in the U S also, if you do 20, do a, a prime loan with 20% down, then you're not paying mortgage interest on that. And you save in the long run. So there are definitely right. around it. They will always tell you that you can afford more home than you can, than you truly can. Right. I, yeah. Just look at all of those things. And, and even if you take a 30 year, year note and you want it down, um, see what it is on a 15 year note, uh, even a 30 year note for a home. If you make one extra payment a year against the principal, you can have that house paid off in eight years instead of 30. So there's a lot of stuff they don't tell you. So yeah. Yeah. Cause it, if you, if you, if you knock just one year off of your loan, um, they're losing a lot of money. Um, so yeah, they, they want you to, they want you to pay the whole thing out. Um, but, uh, yeah, and, and something else, uh, you know, exactly like what you said, like, you know, they, they want you to buy more home than you can afford. Like when you go in for a bank loan, the first question they ask you is what's your income? And the first thing they tell you is how much you can afford. 
And I don't know if they're still using a, a like they used to do like 33%. So 33% of your monthly income, that's how much you're going to pay on a mortgage. And they just, they work backwards from there. Oh, you can afford a thousand dollars a month. Well, your loan is going to be a thousand dollars a month. How about that? Amazing. And it doesn't matter if you got a 30 year loan and it doesn't matter if you got a five year loan, your payment's going to be a thousand dollars a month. The only difference is, you know, what, what the, what the sale price is going to be. Um, and it's like, you know, if you walk into a bank and you say, yeah, I can afford a thousand dollars a month. Well, do they want you as a as a $1,000 a month customer for five years? Or do they want you as a one, uh, $1,000 customer, uh, for 30 years? <laughs> um, obviously 30. Um, but of course, you know, a 30 year loan is a lot more difficult to secure, which is why banks don't normally do that. But there's FHA. Um, which, which allows them to do that. Cause I mean, you know, realistically the average American buys their first home at 32 years old. If you get a 30 year mortgage and you take all 30 years to pay it, uh, you're 62, <laughs> you're retiring. Um, maybe, you know, the average life expectancy, like there's a lot of people who are going to die before they even finish paying their home off. Um, and they're going to have a lot of debt. Maybe they, you know, at some point they come along and say, I want a second mortgage and, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, banks are, you know, they're basically going to be left with, um, at the end of the day, a house that they're going to have to auction. Um, but if they have a, a government program to back them up and say, well, you know, even though you don't have cash, don't worry, you can hang on to the house. Um, you know, this is all part of a federal, you know, federal program. So we're not going to look at your bank and say you're insolvent just because you lent it all out to the housing market and you don't have any cash. Um, you know, we're going to, we're going to be more lenient with that. That, that's kind of their exchange but yeah so it, it's exactly like that they're it, it's it's predatory um i would say um and and uh yeah a lot of people get caught up in that and they really get screwed over that well that is for sure and um just to reset things and move on along um jimmy if if you're available you would be next if you have a question and then we'll move on to our friend thomas um, yeah, actually, I've been kind of hit or miss here in and out of the conversation. But Dan, I always love when you do, do these rooms. Uh, please do more of them for those in the room that aren't following Dan or following the club. Hit the green tent up above and uh, taxation staff club because I love these rooms. The only thing that I, I've thought of, and you already kind of touched on it, though, is uh, Social Security. So a lot of people still, you know, they, they uh, lean on that Social Security for when they retire and if they're withholding, does that include that at Social Security? And some people don't want to lose that safety net. Yeah, so it's actually like if you if you look at your W two, it's actually itemized, um, and they'll they'll tell you exactly how much was spent on Social Security and how much was spent on income tax, um, and then you know Medicare and all that kind of stuff. Um, and the Social Security one basically. Uh, I want to say it's it's something like 11 percent, but your employer also pays 11 percent. So so this is this is what's interesting about that. Right. So let's say you're making 10 bucks an hour um, and then by the time you get 30 percent of your taxes taken out, you, you get seven bucks an hour. Right. Um, but. Uh, but then your employer also has to pay, they have to match your social security and your Medicare, right? So if that was, if, if out of that $3 that was taken out, if, if let's say that was $1 that, that went to that, um, they're actually paying you $11 an hour. So you could have, you know, theoretically, if you got rid of 
um, them having to match your your um, your employment taxes. Um, you know, they're when they take into account how much it's going to cost them to hire employees. You know, if they have like, oh, we've got a budget of a million dollars a year, how many people can we hire? Um, you know, they're they're counting on spending eleven dollars per employee. Um, and I know, you know, it's not easy to say that, like, yeah, well, if you got rid of the tax, they're going to give everybody a ten percent raise, but it is going to it is going to help increase what people are getting. Um, and then, of course, you know, you take the taxes out of it and, and you're, you know, you're basically jumping from seven to 11, um, you know, it's either from seven to 10 or seven to 11 or somewhere in between. Um, so, you know, it, it is it is a benefit for everyone. But um, but yeah, so like a lot of people are worried about Social Security also. And, you know, what's going to happen with that? And the truth is that whole system is insolvent. I mean, we've seen that in the last few years where they've basically threatened like, you know, when they were always doing it, when they were shutting down the government, oh, we don't have any money to send out social security checks and, you know, this and that. And and first of all, they're all holding us hostage, right? This is Congress saying like, oh, we're trying to pass this budget and the Democrats won't do this or the Republicans won't do that. Um, and, you know, really they're doing, they're, they're holding us hostage. They're holding people's lives and paychecks hostage so that they can get a budget passed, which is like, you know, all of their hands are in the cookie jar. They're They're all trying to rip us off. Um, but they're holding us hostage, and and this is the, this is where the social security money is held. But the social security system itself is already bankrupt. Like the government is is already in debt. It has no money. All this money we pay them, um, you know, there's they they used to they used to say it's it's like a private trust account for us, which was never true. Um, they they do keep track of like <laughs> they sent me a statement um, every once in a while uh, that says you know this is how much you've contributed to you know blah blah blah. But it's like when I retire, I don't get to say, oh, I, you know, I want to buy a yacht and, and die on a yacht somewhere. So just give me all my money back. They're not going to do that. <laughs> um, you know, they have they have a way to calculate how much you're going to receive. And that's how much you're going to receive. Um, and if you if you end up living for two years into retirement, you're not getting any of your money back. If you live 40 years into your retirement, you're going to get you know, a lot more back than than you put in. Good for you. Um, but you know, that's also depending on, on whether or not the system is, is going to completely collapse within that time. Um, and, uh, it, it is literally by definition a Ponzi scheme. So, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of inevitable and the government keeps increasing taxes and printing money and, and doing whatever they can to keep the thing afloat. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's only a matter of time. Uh, before the whole thing comes tumbling down and we don't have any of it. So the question is, you know, do you want to continue putting all your money into the social security system, which when you need it is probably going to go away? Or would you rather keep all that money for yourself now and, and do what you can to invest in your future and own land so that you're not worried about paying rent? Um, you know, maybe have, uh, have a family and, you know, some people are into the whole family ranch type thing where, you know, you, you grow your own food. So even if even if humanity totally declines, like you've got everything you need, um, you grow your own food. You've got family to, to, you know, younger people who can do the the work that, you know, requires all the strength and, and you know, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, that that's how a lot of people decide to live their lives, which if you look at the, the big picture of what our society is, it's really the same thing. It's just that we put it all in the control of government. Right. Like, like, you know, when you get, when you become 70, it's like, okay, you can live on a ranch where you have your family 
and you know they take care of, of you know uh, collecting and prepping the food or you can live in a system where you know you're you're 90 years old you're living in an apartment the government's paying your rent and there's also you're also uh, the government's giving you money so that you can go to a grocery store to buy food which comes from somewhere else which comes from somewhere else which comes from somewhere else where there's somebody much younger than you who's picking food off of off of a crop in a field somewhere um it's the same thing it's just do you want to be do you want to force yourself to be dependent on you know a thousand middlemen uh, some of them being government um and you know and the the opportunity for you to be free and to be you know to 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 live in a society or a community where where you know people take care of each other and no matter what happens in you know global politics or anything else you guys are all able to take care of each other and survive um you know that's kind of uh i know it's it's, it's a personal preference choice but it's um I, like I don't see I don't see a huge argument for, you know, for for gambling on the Social Security system. I don't know. I might beg to differ with that. I've seen plenty of uh, that's what that's about. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I get what you're meaning, and I appreciate that. And Jimmy, of course, I thank you for question and coming along here um just going in ptr order next would be uh thomas do you have any uh any questions or comments you'd like to be yeah i can come up with a couple um it sounds like you were just discussing how the system of social security is going to collapse now i live on social security even though i've never paid in um couple of things that I can point out. While you did, do get a quote cost of living increase every year, it's minimal and it never equates to inflation. Uh, does the justification of helping someone like myself in the way that it quote helps, um, you know, restricting my rights, uh, removing any hope of upward mobility, uh, are those good justifications for paying your taxes? And uh, should you feel good about it? Well, I would say this. Let's set the baseline at you don't have to pay your taxes because they, there's no legal way for them to enforce it, right? Because that's, that's kind of my position. So let's, let's just hypothetically, let's, let's set that as the baseline for a second. And then apply your question on top of that, which is, should you pay the taxes anyways, even though you don't have to, and even though there's nothing they can do about it, um, because it's going to help somebody. What I would say is, well, I have I have a lot of extra money now because I'm not paying these taxes. Uh, I do like to help people. <laughs> um, who can I give my money to that I can trust? to actually help people, to actually help people. Um, that would be my question because yeah, I, I mean, um, I mean, you know me, I'm, I'm always helping people um, around the world as a matter of fact, but I don't give my money to the government and just trust that they're gonna give it to the right people. In fact, I don't even give my money to a lot of like big charities. I, I do give money to like smaller charities 
Um, but like people I know who are actually doing work um, because a lot of big charities, like, you know, like they're, they're um, you see that they're, you know, they're running like 80% of their budget on administrative costs, which basically means um, 80% of the money that, that they bring in, they're spending on somebody to work a phone to bring in more money. Um, and so, you know, what they actually do to help people is almost nothing. Uh, meanwhile, you have, smaller charities where, you know, people are just volunteers, word of mouth gets out, they raise, you know, they raise a lot of money and every dollar they earn goes to actually, you know, putting in work, delivering food, um, helping people, um, that sort of thing. So um, with that in mind, I would say, yes, you should pay to help other people, but you should do it one, voluntarily, and two, to somebody who you trust who's actually going to do it. That's a great answer, dude. I knew you would like that. Um, uh, can I ask just yeah, one it, last question? Yeah. Let, let's say someone goes through the Freedom of Law School and they, they succeed in not paying their taxes. What's the best way to celebrate? By drinking Blood of Tyrants wine, of course. Available for purchase at bloodoftyrants.wine. <laughs> nice. Well, that's a... <laughs> Knowledge we should all know. Yes. Knowledge. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't drink and if you like cannabis instead, nugofknowledge.com. Two G's and nug. Okay. So I have a question. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So say, uh, say, you know, for, uh, for the next 10 years, I want to, uh, not not have to pay any taxes and and i want to use that money that i would normally pay taxes uh, you know to to save up to uh buy some some property um you know because a lot of people get in the real estate game um you know especially the uh people in better positions um in order to leverage debt you know and a lot of people um you know, build wealth that way by, you know, leveraging their debt in certain ways in which they're able to acquire property without having to pay much taxes at all. You know, particularly, um, you know, like people who own, um, you know, like apartment complexes and, you know, condominiums and stuff like that, right? Um, you know, do you think basically, I mean, is that, is that possible for one thing, if you, you know, declare this, this position against paying taxes with the IRS and then later down the line, you decide to start paying taxes in order to gain that real estate benefit? Yeah. I mean, so ultimately when you do it the right way, um, basically the IRS is they're they're not coming after you just because you haven't paid any taxes. It's not like they're like, Oh, what are we going to do to catch this guy? Um, you know, if there's nothing they can do because you don't have any taxable income, then there's nothing they can do. Um, and you know, and, and they acknowledge that. And there's actually, you know, they're the, the reason why people aren't going to jail for doing this the right way is because the, like, sorry, I don't even want to say the jail, but to court, um, is because, you know, the, the people 
especially at the top of the IRS, understand the reality of the tax code. And they won't allow these things into the court where there's going to be a precedent set, um, you know, that that, you know, somebody's going to win. Right. So if they're coming after um, let's say they're coming after me and my position is that my income is not taxable, they, they couldn't ever prove that in court based on the tax law itself. So um, if they were to take me to court, I'd win. And then there would be like, oh, oh, my God, how did this guy win in court? Right. And they like to sweep those those cases under the rug. And, and um, I mentioned Joe Bannister earlier. You know, he's had a lot of cases like that, too. Um, uh, Payman has actually worked on a lot of cases. Um, I, I don't know if he's actually ever been. Tra- he was he was actually being investigated by the IRS for like 13 years. And they finally just said, yeah, there's he's, he's not doing anything illegal. <laughs> we have no case. And then they finally dropped it um, without ever filing charges because they could have, you know, they could have done what they did to Irwin Schiff. They could have taken him to court. They could have just, you know, harassed him and put him through it. But, you know, if he's not slipping up, if he's not making any mistakes, then it's, you know, it's just going to make them it's going to make the IRS look bad to take somebody in there and lose. So if you're in the if you're in the right position and the IRS is not coming after you, they, you know, they understand they understand they don't have any. Um, they don't have any information which which would allow them to, um, you know, come after you for for some taxes that you haven't paid um, that they think they're owed. Then there's there's really no problem with that. You you know you go buy as much real estate as you want. They're not going to come around and put a lien on it um, because you know a, a lien for what for ta- for what taxes? There's no taxes. Um, but you brought up a lot of other interesting things too. Where like so people get loans to leverage for apartment buildings. Well, those loans are usually more commercial loans. Um, I think like if you get like a, like a duplex or a fourplex, maybe you can get an FHA loan, but um, anything bigger than that, you can't. So um, you don't really need tax returns. Um, They might still ask for it, but you can do, you can do like all kinds of uh, commercial loans and everything where, you know, you can just prove how much money you've got in the bank, shown bank statements as proof of income or something like that instead um and uh you know and and basically do what you're talking about leveraging debt to to get more um to get more uh more property um and that sort of thing and then you would do the same thing you're the the rent that you're collecting as a as a landlord now is um is basically you know uh is that taxable income you're you're going to deal with that the same way you would deal with the irs but when's the last time you ever rented an apartment and you told your landlord, well, I'm giving you money, so I'm going to have to send a 1099 to the IRS. <laughs> um, that, that doesn't happen, um, which, is, which is, I mean, some of these are like big red flags, right? Because under the IRS rules, um, like, you know, this whole thing about like the $600 transactions, uh, which, you know, $600 is an old number. Um, the monitoring transactions in your bank account is new, but they've had this thing where it's like $600. If, if you give somebody more than $600 in the course of a year, you're supposed to report that on a 1099, but it's like, okay, well I've paid my cell phone bill and that's like a hundred bucks a month. Like, am I supposed to give a 1099 to AT&T? Am I supposed to call them up and be like, I need your tax ID because I'm filing a 1099 on you. Right? Like what, why don't we do that? Why don't we, you know, when we pay our rent to a landlord, why don't we report that to the IRS with a 1099? When we pay our mortgages, why don't we report that? Um, buy a computer at the, you know, at the Best Buy or whatever. Like that's a big purchase. That's more than six hundred dollars. 
why aren't we why aren't we we reporting all of this to the IRS? It doesn't make any sense. Um, and according to those same laws that say, well, it's it's income, like we're giving money to people, they're giving money to us. Uh, therefore, you know, we should be we should be doing that. Um, why, why aren't we doing that? Plumbers, electricians, that's that's all work for hire. Why aren't we doing 1099s for every single one of them? Like the the system doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up, but it's it's based on like everybody snitching and it's like okay, well let's let's only make them snitch where where it makes sense and where it's convenient, I guess. Um, but like like think about it, like why why don't we do that? Why isn't that? Why hasn't that been part of the equation? Sorry, I kind of went off topic there, but um, yeah, hopefully that hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, there's there's not really much difference. I mean, there's different money, different transactions, um, different resources you have available, like, you know, whether or not you need to show tax returns for loans. But other than that, in the big picture, it doesn't really make much difference. Except you'll have a lot more money in your pocket. <laughs> that is for sure. Now, um, as far as people that have come on up on stage, I think they've um, asked some questions. It looks like uh, James was in here earlier, um, James Coleman, and in the comments, he asked a question about, um, well, he'd ask about the cost of working with livefreenow.com or .org, and I think he kind of answered that. But he went on to ask what free resources are there out there that people can go to to look up to help them, Dan. So I did see sure. that comment. If you wouldn't mind addressing that, yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say, um, okay. Let me let me do this. I'm going to give you a whole list of resources. Some of them are free. Some of them aren't. Um, I'm going to start with my own website. Absolutely no bias there. Um, Taxationstuff.info. Um, and if you go there, there's a free download. Um, that says uh, legally stop paying taxes. Um, if you click on that, you get a free download. It's got a lot of really great information on it. Um, I'll say that one's that one is a little a little heavy. Um, it's a little hard to read, um, but it's it's got some really great information in there. It talks about the the withholding and and um, and you know the 1099s and and all that kind of stuff. Some of the history of the tax code, where it came from, how it's implemented, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a really good resource. The second one is livefreenow.org, which is Freedom Law School. Um, they actually have a lot of, so they, they have the membership program, of course, where they'll hold your hand through the whole process of not paying taxes, but they also have a lot of free resources right on the website. Um, there's videos. Uh, you can actually join the mailing list and payment has a lot of, um, uh, he, he does like, um, uh weekly zoom calls and, and and things like that where people call in just like this they ask a lot of questions um uh so and, and that's all free so that's definitely a really awesome resource um and i want to i want to list off a couple books that are really good too um first of all income tax shattering the myths by dave champion um that's one of my favorites it's like it's like I said, a long time ago, I kind of went down this journey and I, I was like, oh, I could do this. And, and the IRS just kind of like <laughs> bent me over and took me for everything I had. Um, this book really kind of went through all the information that I had read and, and laid it out in a very easy to follow um, 
way of understanding it. So this is this is uh, one of my favorite books uh, to like really understand about what the tax code is and how to not pay it. Um, or I I won't even say this. He doesn't even really tell you how to not pay it. He just tells you why you shouldn't pay it. Um, and, and you know he goes into the there's there's a lot of information in there about like the the legal history of you know, the court cases where, where the courts have struck down the income tax and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's a really great one. Um, let's see, there's another one. Uh, so that's shattering the myth. There's another one called uh, breaking, what is it called? Um, I'm looking on my bookshelf, cracking the code. I like, I remember them cause like one's shattering, one's cracking, <laughs> um, cracking the code by Pete Hendrickson. Now, of course this guy's, um, this guy ended up in prison. Um, so, you know, take his book with a grain of salt, but at the same time I've read his book and, um, you know, you compare it to a lot of the stuff that I know is true. And I think, I think the book is like 99% accurate. And I think actually he went to prison for something else. Um, not, not really following his own advice in the book, but like I said, you know, even like the, the stuff is, the stuff is dangerous because, you know, it's like, it's like, um, you know, <laughs> think about a car that's got a tank full of explosives, right? You're driving around with a gas tank, which is basically like, you know, um, 10 or 20 gallons of liquid explosives, but it's, it's in a system that's very well designed and engineered to handle that. Um, but you know, if you were just like, oh yeah, let me throw some gas in a can and throw a match at it and see how far it gets me. Um, it's not going to get you very far. So, um, you know, the, the IRS is a big, scary machine and, and, you know, just like the gasoline, you want to make sure, um, you know, if you are going to act on this, I highly recommend doing it with somebody, um, who's there to support you and hold your hand. And, and, you know, when something happens and you don't know how to respond to it, um, that, uh, you know, you're not you're not alone because uh, that's that's where I was um, 10 or 15 years ago when I did that. And I had nobody to turn to, nobody to ask questions reliably. Um, and uh, and, you know, especially when you've got a letter that says you've got 15 days to respond and it's like, well, <laughs> uh, what am I going to do? So um, and you can't really call a tax lawyer either, because most of those guys are just all on the side of of the government. And, and you know, they, they help you figure out all the different rules and stuff. But they still believe that you have to pay. Um, so definitely you want, you want somebody with experience and not paying in your corner. And that's why, that's why I always recommend freedom law school. Um, and let's see any other books I would recommend. Um, I could recommend a lot of books. Oh, of course, Joe Bannister's book, um, investigating, uh, the federal income tax. He actually wrote this, I think in like 93 or 99, and he's updated it since. Um, you can get that on his uh, on his website, um, agentfortruth.com. Uh, he is the former IRS agent who um, who reviewed the tax code himself and determined that um, that uh, there is no law that says most of us should be paying taxes. So he he doesn't pay taxes either. Um, he hasn't paid taxes in twenty something years now. Um, and he's a former IRS agent. And there, there are others, other former IRS agents also um, who, who agree with all this stuff too. So, um, but like I said, um, you know, uh, take everything with a grain of salt. Be careful what you read. Um, I, I do want to say this too. There's a lot of misinformation out there. I've, I, I said this in the beginning of the call. Um, 
and probably for good reason. You know, if you're running a scam uh, <laughs> at the size of what the income tax is, you probably want to put some false information out there and send some people to jail for following false information just so you can point at them and say, see, that guy thought he could get away with it. Um, you know, but it's like, OK, so somebody went to jail for not paying taxes. What exactly did they do that got them there? That's the question we should be asking, because it's not like somebody just said, I don't want to pay taxes. And then they ended up in jail. In fact, the IRS doesn't even throw people in jail for that. Um, if they do anything, they'll just take your money and leave you alone. Um, but people end up in jail for filing returns that um, have uh, false information on it, uh, fraudulent information, stuff like that, making fake receipts and checks and stuff so that they can claim deductions, claiming they have kids that they don't have. These are this is fraud, and this is what people go to um, go to jail for um, when it comes to taxes. Uh, not filing is not going to get you sent to jail unless you have a corporation and not paying is generally not going to get you sent to jail either. Um, they'll levy, they'll take your property, they'll take your money, they'll take your bank accounts. But um, unless you're hiding the money offshore in some bank account that they can't, they can't touch um, or you have like some gold bars buried in your backyard, um, they're, they're not sending you to jail. Um, that's just, uh, there's no law for that. <laughs> um, anyways, sorry, another, another long rant. No, I think they've been informed of Dan and I, I too, thank you for having these rooms. Absolutely. That's my, that's my MO. Just, just, I'm going to change my middle name to uh, long rant. It's all right. Taxation <laughs> um, is theft is already your middle name. So you can ask. Yeah. <laughs> and I see Liz is here. Hi, Liz. I don't know if you want to come up and talk. Um, Liz is a, is a good friend from Texas. Um, but um, yeah. Um, hey, welcome. How's it going? You have a question? You want to say hi? Here I am saying hi. I don't have a question except can you repeat the book names? I know that's lame, but repeat them again. Yeah. Um, first of all, hi. Good to see you again. Hi. Okay. Dave Champion, um, Income Tax Shattering the Myths. Um, this, this book you can only get from his website. Um, I think it's like Dr. Truth or something like that. Um, but if you just Google the name, Income Tax Shattering the Myths, it'll, it'll come up. Um, it'll take you to his website. Um, he's, uh, he's a real cool guy, kind of a, kind of a big uh, weightlifter-looking guy with a bald head. Um, if you see him pop up in a bright green shirt, that's, you're in the right place. Um, okay, cool. The other one is Cracking the Code by Pete Hendrickson. That one was actually that was really hard for me to find five years ago because it's been out of print because um, the guy's in prison. But I I want to say I got this one on Amazon or like one of those used book places. Um, okay. So it's out there. Just Google it. You can find it. Um, and then Joe Bannister's investigating the federal income tax. OK, sorry to stop everybody down with that. I just wasn't where I could. 
pipe at that time, but now I've got them up. Awesome. Um, yeah, definitely. All, all three of them are great books. And then if you can happen to find one of these, I could never read through it, um, but I had a copy for a while just because I loved it. Um, and I gave it to a friend and then the feds probably stole it from him. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it's ironically, it's called, um, it's called the federal mafia. And that's actually, that's the big book that Erwin Schiff, er, ah, sorry, Erwin Schiff wrote um, that really got the attention of the feds. Um, they tried to ban that book. Um, and then they were looking after, after they failed, they were looking for any excuse to get him in prison to shut him up. Um, so that's like, that's a really cool collector's item. Oh, see, now I want to read it. Right. Um, but again, like he, he wrote this in the eighties or nineties maybe. Um, and you know, I, I don't know if I said it tonight, but I, I say it plenty that like this information is like, you know, it's the tax code. It's, it's a massive tax code of tens of thousands of pages and it's all like hard to understand. And there's no easy way, especially like back then when he wrote this book, you didn't have, you couldn't pull up the tax code on Google and, you know, and search right. through it. It's not all hyperlinks. So he's like, basically, you know, he's got <laughs> printed copies of the tax code and he's sitting there trying to figure it out. So, you know, mistakes, mistakes were probably printed in that book. Um, although when they did try to, um, when they did try to ban that book, they didn't really say, they didn't really cite anything specifically in the book that was, that was false. So, um, I don't know, there's that, but, um, yeah, uh, grain of salt, you know, just, just take into consideration if there is anything, um, false in there, at least, you know, 99% of it's going to be right on. Well, I definitely am interested in any stuff not to sound like, I mean, not to, uh, I'm normally not that obnoxious lawyer guy, but, you know, I think non-lawyers can understand most of this, most everything that's legal as well as lawyers. You you just need the time is all. You just haven't taken the time. But um, th this tax stuff, when I hear non-lawyers talking about it, I start, I like, I have trouble focusing, but for whatever reason, when the really nerdiness about it, so nerdier the better. I don't know if it's because I've studied <laughs> tax a little bit, but um if it's not like specific, then I'm like not following. So I'm excited to geek out on these and hopefully I'll get up to speed on this for you. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, yeah. And there's, I'm, I guess I'm kind of the same way. Like I like, I like reading into the, the tax cases and everything. And, and this is, this is what's really interesting too. Cause like, um, you know, you go down this rabbit hole and you, you find a lot of stuff, you find all the sovereign citizens and like, like I personally haven't had a driver's license or registered a car in 15 years, but there's a lot of, you know, same kind of thing. People are out there with like total misinformation about what that's about. And like, they'll, they'll post these, um, they'll post these like Supreme court cases and say, see right here, it says it's, it's a right. You have a right to travel. And so therefore I don't need a driver's license, but then you read into, and it's like, if you were to just trust that, like you'd be like, Oh, see, it says right there. That's all I have to say is just cite this case. Next time I get arrested or next time I get a traffic ticket. Right. Um, right. And but, I, it would be not, I mean, everybody's guilty of this in different areas where you say something where there's a grain of truth, but then you screw some stuff up. But yeah, this right. is definitely 
the freedom area legal things are is definitely an area we could all perhaps do a little bit yeah. of communication. Well, there's like, so, so I, um, I heard someone like citing one of these cases and I went to go look it up and like, yeah, sure enough, it says you have a right to travel, but like, that's not what the case was about. It was about, it was about um, whether or not somebody was, was able to receive welfare benefits because they had just moved to the state. And, and the state said they had to wait a year before they could they could receive them. Like, that's what the case was about. And like somebody took that, you know, the right to interstate travel to mean like, oh, see, you can drive without a license. And it's like, no, that's that's you're not going to get anywhere with that um, with that particular case. So. So, yeah, like there's and there's a lot of the same stuff with um, with the tax laws. Like it's it's important. Like, you know, you see a lot of the stuff where like people will cite these cases and say, oh, see, you don't have to. You know, this, this doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, you don't have to pay taxes, but it's like you really should um, take the time to like dig into those cases and really understand what they mean. Um, you know, before you try to take them to bat against the IRS. Yeah, and it's not a matter of you know. Again, normally I get really irritated with lawyers and their obnoxiousness about that stuff. It's not a matter of being able to understand. It. It's sort of like speaking the language. You know. If I went and tried to read all this stuff um, in Italian, I wouldn't know what the hell they were saying. Right. Right. <laughs> it's just a matter of knowing the language. And sometimes when people go look at that stuff, if they're not lawyers. They may think that, you know, it means what it sounds like ordinarily in right. the term of art. It's the same thing with technical. I sound like an ass trying to read technical stuff and I don't have the right language and stuff it takes 10 times as long. And just the legal stuff, it's a little quicker if you're a lawyer to read it from a lawyer. So if you have any of that, share it with me and other other Liberty lawyers you're trying to get educated up on this. Definitely well, keep I, that in mind, right? I'm So uh, I don't know if I told you, I'm working on a, a book, obviously, called Taxation and Stuff. Um, and uh, I really, like... I'm trying, I'm kind of like, I guess, walking the line on that. There's some of it. I'm trying to keep it like super simple, but I'm also like getting into the weeds on some of the, um, mm -hmm. some of the nerdy stuff. Um, so yeah, I definitely, if you're interested in that, I'd definitely like to, um, give you an advanced copy to review. Um, maybe, like maybe that. point out some, some, uh, some things where it's, it's either confusing or, you know, maybe maybe I'm being misleading myself um, just from what I understand. Um, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. You bet. And um, just before I forget, sorry, everybody, um, I might be coming to Mexico soon. So let's talk about that. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That'd be awesome. All right. Um, anybody else have any questions down there? You want to come on up? Um, I, maybe I should just kind of um, uh, reset um, and uh, talk about, you know, just a little bit uh, for anybody who's new and just popped in, maybe some of the stuff that we've been talking about. Um, so uh, originally we were going to have Payman in here today. Um, he's the founder of the Freedom Law School. Um, basically back since the, since the nineties, he's been, um, fighting the IRS on the, the, the premise that there's no law that says most Americans have to pay income tax. Um, he's one, he's, he's been, he's worked with some really amazing people. He's worked with Joe Bannister, 
um, who was an IRS agent who, who thought this was all complete nonsense until he you know, decided to research it himself and realized, nope, the tax code is a scam and we don't, we're not <laughs> legally obligated to pay it. Um, uh, together, they, they met with a bunch of other people and they kind of uh, grew this, this organization um, the, the, uh, tax honesty movement. Um, there was a, we, the people organization foundation, um, a lot of really interesting groups. Um, I kind of came to know about them like, um, maybe around when the tea party was getting kind of popular, but it's like the tea party was originally like, it was created by like on this, this one principle of like the income tax is a scam. Um, and we shouldn't be paying it. And that's kind of like how it started. And then, of course, a bunch of Republicans came in and took it over. Um, and then, you know, that's that's around the time we saw a lot of the propaganda about how it's a racist organization and, and all this other nonsense, um, which, you know, and, and we've seen this through with so many organizations since, which is which is really interesting, too. Um, but anyway, so so, yeah, so this this was kind of a bigger movement. And at some point it just kind of um, it died off. Um, uh, a lot of people um, got old and passed. Um, other people just uh, a few of them went to jail for for other things. Um, and uh, of course, a lot of people have just been harassed by the IRS. Um, Erwin Schiff really did nothing wrong. And, and that and that landed him in prison anyways, because he wrote the book um, that they really didn't like. So um, so there's been a struggle with this movement. Um, but uh, what I'm trying to do is just get the information out there. I know Payman has had a huge success. Um, that's, that's why I wanted to have him here to talk, but we had some technical difficulties. Um, I will make sure to get him back in here some other time. Um, but, um, but yeah, he runs the Freedom Law School. Um, and basically, I've been just kind of talking about all the information um, that we have uh, that's on our side to say that we don't have to pay this income tax. Um, and um yeah we've, we've i guess today we've mostly just been answering a lot of questions um that people have brought up so um if anybody has any questions um if you're new if you're uh if you're new to this idea in general and just just wondering how it works um anything like that or if you've been doing this for a while if you have any specific questions um I shouldn't say doing this, but listening to this or on board with this this type of uh, ideology for a while. Um, I wouldn't even call it an ideology. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been talking for an hour and a half. Sorry, I'm getting a little tired. Um, but uh, yeah, you're welcome to ask questions. So so come on up, uh, raise your hand. We'll bring you up and ask away. Okay, Ed. Uh, did, Ed's been listening for a while, but he did come up on up on stage. So I'd like to give Ed an opportunity to ask a question. Uh, go ahead, Ed. Yeah, Dana, I'm just uh, curious if you could explain uh, what legalese means and like what, I guess what its purpose is. Hey, you're yeah. were you able to hear him, Dan? Yeah, I did. Um, that, that's a really interesting question. I don't think I've ever heard it asked that way. Um, <laughs> so, well, so what it is, is like, it's basically what we call when lawyers run, write a bunch of words on paper, um, 
that sound like they mean something, but you can't really understand what it means. Or maybe you think you understand what it means, but because the law actually defines all those words as as something else, you like, you know, you, you might think you know what it means, but you have no idea. <laughs> um, these kinds of things. Like um uh uh, I want to say like tax evasion is one, right? Um, I mean, that's just a single word, but tax evasion, if you ask anybody what tax evasion is, oh, that means you're not paying your taxes. Well, it's, that's not exactly what it means. It really means because it's it's defined in the tax code as tax evasion, and they have a very specific meaning to it. And it, it, it says something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing, um, once once you or the IRS have determined that you owe some some amount of taxes, and then you actively try to prevent them from collecting that money, like by hiding it in offshore accounts or something like that, that's tax evasion. If you just don't file, that's not tax evasion. If you, if you file and just don't pay, that's not tax evasion. Um, that's, you know, the, that's, <laughs> that's filing and not paying, or it's not filing, that, that's all it is. Um, so legalese is kind of like, you know, the, I guess the difference between English and legalese is, is when you have, um, when you have all these legal words that mean something that's totally different than how we use them in normal conversation. Um, uh, one, one other probably good example is, is the Citizens United case where, you know, are people, are people corporations or are corporations people, you know, that's basically legalese because what is a what is a person? Well, in a legal definition, in a legal sense, a corporation is absolutely a, a person. Um, but we don't, you know, when we're walking around and saying like, hey, there's a person over there, you know, we don't point at a building and call that a person. So the the legal terms, the legal jargon kind of redefines things differently. And when you're standing in a courtroom, um, you know, and they ask you a question, uh, you know, that might have a completely, you know, you might answer that completely differently from if you were not in a courtroom and somebody was just asking you, um, uh, you know, whether or not something was true. So um, uh, that that's kind of what the legal is, is. and for, well, and, and it gets a little bit more complicated than that, because sometimes they'll have, you know, um, let's just say you're, you're like, oh, let me look up a traffic law, right? And you're like, what is, what does speeding mean? And then you read the, the law for speeding and it says, Oh, it means when this and that, and and it's got a, it's got some words in there, and it's like it's a run-on sentence. Like if your English teacher were looking at that, they'd be like, "Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible grammar. This is a run-on sentence. It doesn't make any sense. Who's they? Who's who's this? Who's who you're referring to here?" Um, and it makes it really hard to read. So that's also considered legalese, where it's just like I like I have no idea what these guys are trying to say here. <laughs> um, it's like uh, if you've ever read like really bad computer instructions where it says, you know, like click on, click on this and this. And it's like, what do you mean click on that? There is no that we're, I, you know, none of this makes any sense. Um, so that's kind of like why we make fun of it. But, um, but then, okay. So then your other question was really interesting was what is its purpose? And that depends on who you ask. So um, on one hand, you could say it, its purpose is to, um, eliminate confusion, right? Um, so let's say, you know, let's say you and I are having a conversation and I, you know, and I say, Hey, I want to buy your car. And you say, okay, yeah. And we say like, oh yeah. And, and um, I'm going to give you, you know, a hundred dollars and you're going to give me the car. 
and then you know I give you a hundred dollars, but it's a hundred Canadian dollars, <laughs> um, and and then you give me the car, but it's it's you know oh, but it doesn't include the steering wheel, <laughs> or it doesn't include the tires or something like that, right? So to avoid confusion, like the you know we might um, we might define those words ahead of time and say okay, a dollar means a U.S. dollar, and a car means the entire car, including the steering wheel and the tires. And so if we were to have a transaction where I could just say, I'm going to buy your car um, and you're going to give me the money, like we, we already know exactly what to expect and, and there's not a way to cheat people out of it. And so when you look at the legalese of how laws are written, like a lot of it is that, right? It's like, okay, a car is not just, you know, a car, it's this, it's that, it's, you know, and there's, there's a lot of like really specific details. Um, so the law defines things that way, but then you have contracts, which on top of that, Contracts will usually define certain words in, in a completely different way, or they'll add to what's already there. So, um, so on one hand, the purpose could be clarification, right? We're using specific words, like even like we don't want to have to write out, you know, in, if if we're going to have a contract and it says the word car in there ten times, we don't have to write out the car, including the steering wheel, including the tires, including this, including that. We don't want to write that out every single time. We just want to write the word car and know that it means all of that stuff. So it's it's for simplification and, and clarification of the entire contract and everything. And and the law works in, in kind of in the same way. Um, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is arguably um, the purpose of legalese is to be confusing so people don't understand what something is. Um, and I say that, for example... Let's say, um, let's say you're buying something and it's like full coverage auto insurance, right? Um, and you know, they give you a stack of papers and they're like, okay, these are the terms, sign it. And you're like, well, it says full coverage. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I guess that covers everything. Um, and then, you know, you're driving your car around and you get into an accident and you call up your insurance company and they're like, oh, it doesn't cover that. And you're like, but wait, I have full coverage. And like, yeah, but did you read the fine print? This is what it actually covers. Full coverage is just the name. Um, so, so legalese can be used to confuse and, and make things more complicated or uh, things like that too. And I would argue that that's mostly what the tax code does. The way that it's structured and the way they've written a lot of the tax laws is they've made it extremely difficult to understand. Um, and I believe that was intentional. Um, because of, you know, because if it was clear and easy to understand, we either have one of two situations. One, it would be completely unconstitutional or two, it would be obvious to anybody who reads it that they don't have to pay it. So by making it extremely confusing and hard to understand, they've avoided either one of those from being the, the mainstream understanding of, of what the actual tax code is. Hopefully that answered everything <laughs> i dig it thanks okay um in the meantime yeah i think that was a great answer uh, in the meantime uh jerry has joined the room and raised his hand for a question welcome jerry and you have the floor i actually didn't have a uh question i was just wanting to uh get in on the conversation when it shows up that it would be relevant. Well, I'm glad you came on up. Um, I think the audio is also better if you 
come on up on stage, so I can appreciate anyone who wants to come on up. Okay, thanks for that. I have a follow-up, Dan. Um, would you uh, suggest Black's Law uh, for the best understanding of legalese, or do you have a better source? So I've actually been using... Um, So yeah, Blacks is a good uh, a good source. Um, I've been, but I've been using this. Um, uh, there's like an online version, which is it's. I'm not sure if it's by the same company or by the same publisher. Um, but the um, what's really cool about it is obviously that it's online. Um, but they actually list out, and I don't know if, if Blacks does this or not. They list out a lot of um, U.S. court cases that cite where those definitions came from. So it's not just like you know some guy sitting around like, oh, there's a bunch of words, and I'm gonna I'm gonna write down the definitions, um, which is kind of like how Webster's works. Um, but they they actually have like um, they, they'll actually like cite like you know so maybe there was a court case and like the question came up, what does this word mean? And the judges had to try to figure it out and like they couldn't find a definition in any of the laws um, and, uh, you know, they couldn't find any previous ruling on what that word meant. So they have to actually like have a discussion and figure out what does this word mean? And I, I, I always kind of find that um, Liz was just talking about like <laughs> nerding out on the, the details of this stuff. But like I like I, I'm really kind of interested in that, like because I think don't ever want to stop bleeding right like the scab what's that once you pick that scab you know metaphorically releases the knowledge from these books yes it's really hard to want the bleeding to stop like right (laughs) yeah it's it it is and i mean like i'm i'm also like um uh there's a there's a website called uh called edim online e-t-y sorry, E-T-Y-M online. Um, and that's short for etymology online, which is like etymology is the history of words. Um, and that one's really interesting too. That that has no like like um, legal bearing really, but it, it is like, it is really interesting because there's like, you see um, like, okay, I was talking about person, right? Like, what does is, what is person mean? And why does it make sense that a person, like a corporation would be a person? Well, historically, and like this site will tell you like the, like the origin of, you know, what language it came from in the first, the first century where they started using it. Um, but the word person comes from the term persona, which is like, you know, somebody can have multiple personas. Um, and so like in that context, it's like, oh, of course, like a corporate, like, if I'm making a deal with you and I say like, Hey, I'm going to sell you something, but I'm, I'm, I'm not Dan Berman. I'm Dan Berman, the representative of, you know, this something, something insurance company. Then it's like, that's a different persona that you're doing business with. So it, like, it makes sense in that context. Oh, a person. Okay. So I have an opinion question. Do you think that this monetary system was, created in order to uh, like take away you know general freedoms of the people in terms of you know financial abilities um 
That's a tough question. I mean, I, I lean towards yes. Um, I, I kind of always like, cause that's, that's really like an intense question, right? What was their intent? Sure. And it's, and that's always like impossible to prove, especially, you know, we're talking about <laughs> this has been kind of in the works over for over a century, but I would say at the very least, the intent was to take control of the currency, which in itself is a really bad thing. How far did they want to go with that? I don't know. Cause a lot of like, this is the interesting thing. Like, you know, it's like the, the slow erosion of rights, a lot of people will look at the, the rights and freedoms they have today um, because they're only 20 years old and they don't have anything to compare it to. And so they think like they live in the freest country in the world, which may or may not be true, but there's a lot of freedoms that, that their grandparents would have had 50 years ago. They don't, they don't know what those freedoms are. They never experienced them. And because of that, they don't miss them. And so it's like, if you were to ask them, like, you know, if you were to say like, well, yeah, you have to use this, this currency system and that's taken away all your freedom. A lot of people are just like, what freedom? I have all the freedom I want. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and it's like, it's, you know, if you don't know it's missing, then you can't really look at it that way. And I think for a lot of people, like a lot of people innocently look at the systems that we have in place and they say, oh yeah, if, you know, if we just made this change and gave the government, uh, you know, this much more power, that would actually fix a lot of the problems um, that, 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 you know, that we have in the government. Um, they don't realize because they're not looking at the whole history. They don't look, they don't realize that, no, that's giving more power to the government. That's going to create more problems. Um, and so like, I, I think a lot of this is done innocently with, with just completely, no understanding of, of economics or, or consequences. But then I also think there are plenty of people who are, you know, they're, they're in it. Um, you know, maybe in 1913, when they came up with the federal reserve, they didn't, uh, they didn't, you know, maybe they didn't think about central currency, uh, the, what is it? The C CBDCs. Maybe they weren't thinking about that, but now that that's a thing, it's like, Oh yeah, let's, that, that's the obvious next move. Um, so yeah, like, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, there's definitely bad people out there. All right. I have just one more question. Um, just because it's something I've come across recently. Have you heard, uh, direct from the other side of this argument? Like, you know, if they were not speaking to you, but like, I watched a video the other day with a bunch of, um, security party creditors and just a bunch of different people in finance and, it was concerning the way they were speaking about stuff. I'll just say that much. Have you ever heard people from that side of the aisle speak? No, like people pushing for like for like more central bank control and that kind of stuff. Yeah, stronger central control or yeah, uh, you know. Um, yeah, and refund things like that. Yeah, and I mean, like, there, it's it's the same. It's always the same thing, and it's like that. That's where it's hard to tell, right? Because like. The things that they say, they sound like they want to help, right? Like, oh, this is going to help get the economy back on track. It's going to help this and that. It's going to stabilize the dollar. It's going to, you know, it's going to help imports and exports and domestic jobs and domestic oil. And like, like it's always the same stuff, right? Um, yeah, but until you're black <laughs> It never works. <laughs> or, it's, or it's temporary. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it, but, but that's the thing. Like, so are these people who are pushing that, like how many of them, like how many of them are just talking heads? How many of them don't really understand the consequences? How many of them think it's going to work? And then how many of them know it's not going to work, but they're just like, like, Oh, but if it does pass, I'm going to get so much more power and control. Um, that's the most concerning part of this video I saw recently. Uh, it, it seemed like business as usual, nothing out of the ordinary until one individual came on and she, you know, she was espousing things that, that made it seem like she was falling towards our side of the, the perspective. And she kind of like wrapped up her, her monologue with saying, but if we can get this regulation through, I'll feel safe over here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, okay, I, I think that like that's a second layer on top of it, right? So there's there's this individual person's motives, um, like are they malicious or are they really trying to help? And then there's, then there's, let me just say this, it's possible for somebody, and you know, I, I know, I guess I'm kind of playing devil's advocate here, but like it's possible for somebody to believe that more central control is a good thing but the only way we can sell it is by saying oh i'm one of you i i like decentralization but we should pass this regulation um so in that way they're kind of maliciously lying about what their position is um but they might still be sort of benevolently trying to fix what they what they think is broken and, and you can look at that kind of like the um even though like most doctors would consider it immoral to um, to administer medication to somebody who doesn't want it but needs it. Um, like in most places, that would be considered immoral. But at the same time, that's basically what we're doing with this whole vaccine thing, um, where you know we're um, and you know it's it's been done it's been done other times in the past. Like you know, let's, let me not use COVID because I know it's controversial, but you know. Um, uh, pick and, and I can't think of an example offhand, but pick pick something where um, you know, somebody's sick, they need medication to survive, but they refuse to take the medication because they don't think they're sick. It's like, is it is it okay to lie to them and like, you know, put the medication in, in their in their drink, like slip it to them and you know, is that is that right? And like some people would say no and some people would say yes. And of course I think generally those would be considered like the evil doctors. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, but like some people think that's right. Like some people like, they're like, I got to save these people. I have to help these people. Let me just, let me just slip the drugs in their, in their thing. Or like even the, um, you know, the, the fluoride in the water is a perfect example of that actually. So I'm, it's my opinion that that happens with, you know, a good many of politicians that they're, you know, just so sure that they're doing the right thing because we're not capable of handling what the truth is right yeah it's it's all over it's rampant and we as americans are allowing it all the time so i, I get that you know um for those who are parents or haven't been out of school all too long you know even just right in the schools they're doing their the eye exams the the fluoride treatments, you know, the hearing exams, you know, their kids going home with glasses that somebody set up for them at school, you know, so, you know, we're the government, we're here to help you, you know, and it's, it's, 
and we're letting it happen, you know, so that's one of those things. And now with the Build Back Better program, they're taking our two and three year olds as, you know, waiting till they were five wasn't enough. Preschool wasn't enough. We were handing them on over. So I can say that I did want to welcome Adam to the room. I know you just got here, Adam, but um, a lot of people have had some questions for some taxation questions for Dan. We've been at this a couple hours, though, and uh, by all means, if you have a question, um, feel free to answer it. But I, I think I can hear Dan's voice trailing down that we may need to um, table any more for next time. Um, but, but Adam, if you have a question, by all means, ask it. Is this taxation thing theft? I'm just joking, Dan. I just uh, wanted to stop in, say hi, and. Uh, if uh, I, I, I've had lots of conversations with, with Dan and, and the like, so I just appreciate all the good information. Yes, it's absolutely theft. And um, <laughs> I, yeah, Connie, I, my, my voice is getting a little dry. I actually like poured some water uh, a little while ago and haven't had a chance to drink it because I've been <laughs> talking nonstop. Um, but I just got a sip in. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, um, but I guess we should wrap up pretty soon here. Um, but if there are any other questions, let's, let's, um, let's bring them up. All right. Yeah. I'm good to go for a while. I just, I could tell from your voice and I've been in the keep spike alive club long enough to know when it's, <laughs> questions until midnight so we should probably just wrap it up and we will be doing more rooms so keep that in mind um in fact i just i've got to edit it a little bit but i've got a room set up for um for monday afternoon um for those who come around our, our group here quite a bit you may have heard some of the the questions and and the story coming up with um, our friend Shannon up in Alaska, but it brought up a great topic when um, when you have traffic violations, tickets, what's the difference between tickets or your account being flagged, that sort of thing, what it means when you go to another state. Um, we're going to have some great information on that um, on this coming up Monday. Um, so there'll be more rooms. We're going to do it right at this club right here, the Taxation is Theft Club, and Dan will be conducting it. Um, so we do have some upcoming things planned. Awesome. Um, yeah, that's going to be a fun. That's going to be a fun room. Um, I I'll, like. So I haven't had a driver's license or registered a car in something like 15 years. So like whenever, whenever Connie brings up something like a question about traffic tickets and like <laughs> I start answering questions and then I realize like, wow, I haven't, I haven't even done business with a DMV in 15 years, but I still know so much about them. Um, <laughs> it kind of blows my own mind. Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely like, you know, even if you're, even if you're still driving around with license and registration, there's definitely a lot of really good information that people should know 
as far as their rights, um, what the government is as far as as far as an agent issuing licenses or registration and that kind of stuff, what kind of contracts you have with them. Um, it, it's all really good stuff to know because that can that can really help you out when you get into a sticky situation um, when they're you know when they're bureaucrats are making it impossible for you to just get on with your life. Uh, <laughs> it's it's good to know. I do not admire those bureaucrats for that thing because they did that to me. Yeah, that was you know. Um, uh, was that movie called Zootopia? I think with the sloth at the DMV. That was so dead on. <laughs> I can't say I've ever heard of it. I'm gonna have to look into that. It's go just go look for um just just go uh like on YouTube and type um what did I just say? I just said the name Zoo um Zootopia. Um do Zootopia sloth. It's this uh so like the premise of the movie is it's just a bunch of animals in this little society. There's this there's this little bunny rabbit that's a cop and there's like a fox that's a thief or something like that. And, um, you know, every, every animal in this society is, has like a different role. And the one that works at the DMV is a sloth. That is it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I did just get a notification for those who may be interested that when Sharp just went live and he's going to be doing a, a campaign announcement. So for those who multitask or may want to head on over there to figure that out, um, Larry did just go live. So that would be Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, wherever you watch Larry Sharp. Uh, sounds like he's gotten it out. Awesome. Well, I guess in that case, let's wrap this up. Um, I just want to throw one more shout out to uh, Blood of Tyrants Wine, um, uh, helping to keep... Uh, all, everything that I do going afloat. Um, and uh, it's uh, basically uh, what Thomas Jefferson said, the tree of liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of tyrants. So um, we just thought, why why shouldn't we have a red wine called blood of tyrants? So now there is a red wine called blood of tyrants. It's actually a really awesome wine. And I've got some, some uh, friends coming in from out of town. Uh, this weekend so we are going to be drinking some of that tonight um it's really awesome stuff it's also a really great conversation piece uh so if you have friends over you know just to kind of just to kind of talk about that but it's also like it's really cool that we're um we're finding kind of like normal ways to introduce um this this type of ideology into the mainstream um because ultimately uh, you know, this is this is one of the things that I'm fighting for is that we have to change our culture um, so that, you know, when, when people understand that government overreach is a bad thing, that the size of government being so big is a bad thing, um, then, you know, then we'll get to the point where, you know, people stop asking for that. They stop supporting that and we'll start to see uh, the government shrink and wither away. Um, but uh, that all starts with with sharing and understanding and we don't have to be so overt about it. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to get people to join political parties or, or join activist movements or anything like that. Um, just sharing a bottle of wine with somebody um, and having a conversation about how small government is better uh, really can go a long way. Um, and so this is, this is kind of, um, this is kind of what I see as a really big win for, 
getting those conversations going. So there's wine, there's, uh, there will be other things. Um, uh, this is, this is just kind of the start of that, but, um, but, uh, if you do like wine, um, definitely check it out at blood of tyrants.wine. Uh, the other great thing that it did was give us a reason to make the guillotine memes. Actually, you know yes. what? I think you got that quote wrong. I think it's the blood of patriots, but I could be wrong. It's actually the blood of tyrants and patriots, but I say we don't bleed. Um, we're going to win this one. So this is going to be their blood watering the tree. <laughs> I just chopped the last two words off. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> it's awesome. No, but yeah, it's sure. good, good, good memory. Oh, for sure. And perhaps, you know, the, uh, the blueberry wine with the, yeah, the friend down and yeah, we'll just, we'll do blood of Patriots with the blueberry wine with the, uh, <laughs> person that makes that they've, they've got an extra dry, um, not sweet wine that I think would be perfect, and so yeah, you can you can do the blue bloods too with the the blueberry. Totally makes sense because blood's blue before it gets spilled, right? Big so facts. If we're not spilling blood, man, I love it. <laughs> then we did accomplish something in this meeting today, Fortbrook, and uh, and thanks for that. And the replays are on. For anyone who hasn't caught everything, um, you can go back and listen to the replays. Um, I apologize. There are some that are down in the um, the audience that have put some comments in that it's um, that some of the people are, are tough to hear. And I did take note that next time um, when we go to answer a question from someone, whether it be Dad or myself, I'll go ahead and repeat the um the question that was asked first, uh, because there are some people that are a bit harder to hear um, that were up on stage. So um, we did take personal note of that um, and thank you for that. Awesome. Yeah, and thanks for, uh, thanks for joining me tonight, Connie, to help moderate this. Um, and thank you everybody else for uh, showing up listening thanks for coming with the great questions um and um I, I know i've been kind of off for several weeks um but uh hopefully i'll be back on a little bit more regularly and i'll see you guys around so start thinking about some some other questions you want to ask and um i'll see you guys soon thanks and follow the club guys if you don't already follow the green tent and again thank you all right. Have a good night. Have a good night. Good night.